This week on Sweat the Details, we welcomed Dr. Maritza Johnson, who aims to make it easier for people to handle the security and privacy decisions they face in their daily lives. She completed her PhD in computer science at Columbia University and wrote her dissertation on the usability of Facebook privacy settings. We talked about security, privacy, the difference between the two, smart homes, smart TVs, and the need for all of us to be aware and curious about the technology that has fast become part of most of our daily lives. Hope you enjoyed the conversation. We certainly did. Hey, everybody. It's Jim Duncan with Nest Realty and Sweat the Details here with Keith Davis, um, my partner at Nest, and uh, Dr. Maritza Johnson. Um, Maritza, thanks for joining us today. If you don't mind giving us a, a quick he- you know, background on who you are, what you do, and uh, sort of where we're going to go with this conversation. Yeah. Uh, thanks for having me. I'm super excited to be here. Uh, so my name is Maritza. I've worked in what I call human-centered security and privacy since about 2006. I'd say the thing that I'm very interested in is how do people, really just regular people, make sense of all of the security and privacy decisions that you're faced with on a daily basis? Uh, So back in 2006, this was how do you manage your username and password for your bank login? How do you deal with all your financial institutions going online? What does it mean to get a phishing email? And then a few years later, it was how do you manage your Facebook privacy settings so that you know that the people who you want to see your content see it, but not the wrong people? Uh, a bit after that, it was, you know, how do you manage your online identities? You have a million usernames and passwords. How do you keep track of all that and make sense of it? Who knows what about you? Um, later then, still, I guess the, the fun thing about my field is technology is always changing and, you know, uh, where I was seeing new technologies. And there's always, there's always space for quest- questioning what data does it involve? How do we secure it? How does it fit into my life? And what do I need to do to protect myself? Mm-hmm. Um, so always, you know, looking at the new tech and asking kind of the same questions over time. So I'm super excited to, you know, have a chance to chat with a different audience from what I usually talk with, since a lot of the time it's um, academics or privacy advocates. I mean, I think that the you know a lot of our audience uh, is uh, is real estate based. I'd say you know sort of a guess that 70 percent of our audience are are in the real estate space. And you know, Keith will love my math. Twenty five to forty percent of of our audience are um, are people outside the field. You know, consumers, clients, people who are curious about real estate. Um, so as we were talking the other day about you know sort of how we can frame security and privacy. You know, from an actionable perspective, you know, you mentioned that it's not helpful to capitalize on fear, uncertainty, and doubt. You know, that you know, there's a lot of fearful things in the online space on a daily basis. But how does someone think about privacy, you know, with all these, you know, the scary headlines that we read about on a you know, daily, weekly basis? Mm-hmm. I think it's a great question. Um, for me, the thing that you need to ask yourself, well, I guess there are like, there are a couple of truths to get comfortable with. The biggest being, you'll never have perfect security. You'll never have perfect privacy. Um, I think on privacy, it's the the conversation is always interesting because privacy is more than just secrecy. Increasingly, as our life goes online and gets digitized, and our our actions generate data, it's not just about who can see the information, who has the information. It's also how is that information being used. Um, and this idea of data use, I think is one of the most interesting questions we're seeing right now. It comes up a lot lately around facial recognition. 
when you're out in public, you can't hide your face. I mean, it's different today with COVID. It changes right. all the time. Now we're expected that you're going to be covering your face, right? And that's that's different. Now everybody has their face. Yeah. But, you know, four months ago, I would say facial recognition is an interesting, it's a technology that's being deployed in certain spaces. Airlines were starting to use it to board people onto airplanes. And if your model of privacy is that privacy is secrecy, what do you do when your face is the thing that you're trying to not disclose? You can't do it. So then you have right. to look at data use. Um, so I think like that's an interesting thing. I've already lost track of the question. Um, tell me again. Well, Bring uh, it back in. <laughs> <laughs> you know, with, with the with the frightening things that we read on a daily basis and see on a daily yeah. basis about again about how we you know going in. You know, I'll take this for a second. You know, going in public, you know, with facial recognition is ubiquitous. You know, is it yeah. is that some sort of shift that is the facial recognition and the privacy something that we need to get, you know, think whether we need to or not, we're going to have to get comfortable with in order to leave our houses? And is there anything we can do to, to protect our privacy, if, you know, if not secrecy, as we go outside? Right. That's right. You're bringing it back to the actual question, which is, I think <laughs> we, have to, we, we have to get comfortable with, you cannot have complete control that these things will be deployed, and mm-hmm. then start asking questions about, well, who's building it? Where is it deployed and how is it used? And where can I direct my concerns to then take actionable insights? Right. So I think being, being against it outright is increasingly difficult because you don't control all the spaces that you go into. Um, so kind of quickly jumping from the, do I like it or not? Or is it good or bad? Should it exist or not? These kind of absolutes, you have to kind of drop those and then say, well, if we're into kind of a murkier space, then how do we think about that? So with facial recognition, that you don't have the question of like, should facial recognition exist as tech? You're asking questions like, who should be able to use it and for what? When it is right. used, am I aware? Can I opt out of it? Can I you know, look into the decision-making? Um, what are kind of like the nuances there? So I'd feel like some interesting questions would be like, to get curious about it. So- So Maritza, let's let's go straight to who's using mm-hmm. it and and what the permissions are and and whatnot. So we'll start with United States usage. Uh, you brought up that airlines were beginning to use it for mm-hmm. confirmation of passenger identity um, to track who's who's flying on what flights. In other countries, my understanding is they're using it as well for even in some shopping environments to you know, automatically tag RFID what you're walking out of a store mm-hmm. with without ever having to go through a line and other places. What other uses are we seeing? What are we seeing in the United States? Who's, who's other than mm-hmm. obviously the iPhone uses it for logins, um, which we've kind of tacitly just handed over permissions on. Uh, but where else are we seeing it? What's the, what's the growth area on that? I think, um, to be honest, I, I, I don't completely know the extent of it. I see various things on Twitter suggesting, you know, even with the protests that are happening in early June, that it might be that police are using facial recognition to identify who's at the protests and go after them later. Uh, I feel like I've seen a couple of credible claims that that's actually happening. Um, Definitely, as you said, some of the major airlines are using it. Um, Jim, when we were preparing for this podcast, you sent me a note on the ring cameras I'm pretty sure I've seen some credible claims that there's face recognition there from law enforcement going on. Um, and I mean, with this question of, like I said yes. earlier, I broke it down between data collection and data use. 
In the U.S., at least, a lot of our protections and kind of rulemaking is around data collection. We don't today have great technical systems for limiting and detecting and policing or just like regulating data use. And I feel like we're in a situation where if we could actually, if we actually had the ability to see into that, there might be uses of data that we'd be quite alarmed about. Uh, let, me, let me jump on that. So, mm -hmm. so you say that there are, you mentioned regulation of privacy or uh, regulation of the data. Yeah. You know, so, you know, I've, I've seen reports about smart TVs, like, you know, you know, a lot of us have, I don't say most of us, but a lot of people have these smart TVs that, you know, Netflix is already built into the remote and, you know, Amazon's already built in, you know, whatever. You know, are the smart TVs something that are, are they just TVs or is it something that we should be somewhat concerned about? Mm-hmm. Or at least aware of, or at least aware of. Smart TVs and really any smart device that you're putting in your house is a thing that you should be aware of. You should be curious about it and you should be asking questions. Um, so interestingly, I did some research about two years ago where we did a survey of smart TV owners um, asking questions to measure, you know, what's your attitude toward data collection and use via your smart TV? What's your attitude and understanding of what's happening? What are your expectations? And a little bit, you know, trying to compare that against like, what's the reality? Um, interestingly, so Consumer Reports did some excellent research looking at smart TVs and the data that is being collected per brand. Um, and I, I feel like people are pretty unaware of the sort of data collection that's happening and the data use there. Um, and then what was interesting from our survey is that we found roughly, I want to say 40% of people assumed that there were laws in the U.S., that would protect them from their data being used in ways they didn't expect. Now that's notable. So if you think that you have a law that is protecting and basically restricting how data could be used, you kind of count that out as a thing that you're not going to care about, right? right? Like you don't, you feel like you don't need to wonder, you feel like it's taken care of. That is not the case. In, in the same sense that once you install an antivirus mm -hmm. software mm -hmm. on your computer, you think you're, immune once you know and and honestly we're looking at covid and everybody's talking about a you know a vaccine at this point there's there is this assumption in laity's okay. mind that once we have a vaccine we're all fine and i think every physician you talk to says that's not going to be the case mm -hmm. no matter how strong this vaccine is down the road um and you know but i also move towards the fact that in facial recognition we've had the technology for some time now it may not have been automated, but we've been using it. So if I, if I look back a few years ago, and obviously we're all in Charlottesville at this point, um, the, you know, the August 12th uh, Unite the Right rally, those images of people's faces who were marching in that rally were sent and crowdsourced throughout the United States to identify mm -hmm. who the perpetrators of violence were, who were then tracked down, their employers were notified, mm -hmm. they were fired from jobs. That may not have been automated, but that was absolutely facial recognition. And that was, you know, we, I'm sure that nobody thought at the time, if I, if I march, I'm, I'm putting myself in jeopardy. I think now we are much more aware of mm -hmm. what cameras do all over communities. And I think we are aware that if you're involved in protests, those names are gonna be recorded in some form whether it's through automated or through crowdsourcing, right? I mean, is there a difference other than it's the speed with which we can identify or, or, or the, the yeah, tracing and tracking mm -hmm. of those faces? Uh, of, the, of that recognition. Mm 
Right. But, sorry. <laughs> yeah. I feel like, I mean, at all levels, it's, it's different, right? Like to me, at least if I were to start to break it down, I would be looking at, it's like, who is doing what matching? What's the data that they're using to train it? And to what effect? So I feel like for the Charlottesville, the alt-right stuff, I feel like we've, you know, we generally agree, like, Nazis are bad. That rally shouldn't have happened. There's a lot of violence that shouldn't have happened. And then, so then it felt like good to watch kind of the mob justice go after and identify the folks. And then Mm -hmm. if you look at, you know, well, what if Facebook or what if some, I don't, sorry, I shouldn't pin it on a certain company, but like, what if a certain company were using facial recognition to automatically detect and alert law enforcement for things that they suspect would be crimes? It's like, it's, it's kind of the same effect, but then like across all facets, you wonder, well, how does this stack up and which one are we okay with and why? And which one feels not quite, you know, which one feels icky. (laughs) Well, and Jim, you'll probably remember, you'll probably know if this is still in use. I remember a few years ago in Charlottesville, we were dealing with Mm -hmm. police cars that had license plate readers They were actively monitoring every single plate they passed and GPS tagging every license plate to identify what patterns cars were taking and what routes they were taking and where they could be found in the event that that car needed to be located six months from now during a, you know, some arrest need. Um, Are we still using that in Charlottesville? I mean, I'm assuming that's still in use throughout the United States. I don't, I mean, I haven't noticed them on the back of our cruisers, but maybe that I've just stopped noticing. Um, I think think that they are, I've seen them. But I want to jump back for a second and just not for a scary headline, but my question is a scary headline question. Mm -hmm. What data, like, should I, what data are are the smart TVs watching? (laughs) You know, is is it just the, the hours that we're, um, you know, hours are watching it, the shows are watching it, the eye, eye tracking movements, things like that. Yeah. So, okay. And this would say, you know, or when we set this up, Jim, you asked me to be positive. You asked me not to focus on that. <laughs> you asked me to be kind of to focus on what can you do? How do you get involved? And, and I think on your smart TV, the thing that I would say, if you remember one thing, it would be, be curious. So be right. curious about the devices that you're buying and think about just wondering like what's possible here. And you might find yourself at answering, asking certain questions and, you know, there's no harm in asking questions. Right. Um, so with it, with your smart TV, the answer to what is happening depends on what the sensors are. Okay. So for, for, for kind of like a basic smart TV, it's basically your TV is kind of like a computer and is running apps on it that show you the content that you're watching. So at a minimum, a smart TV may be tracking which shows you watch, how Mm -hmm. often you watch them. It might be guessing how many different people are watching it. So let's say you have, just to like lean into stereotypes, that you have, you know, the dad of the house who's watching sports all the time or at certain times. You have a mom of the house who's watching Grey's Anatomy all night. You have the kids who are watching in the day. So you could start to do kind of behavioral analysis around, um, or sorry, so so it is, it is not unusual, it's pretty common for a smart TV to at least be collecting the data of what is being watched. Right. And then it's a question of data use. So then for the parties who are able to see what you're watching, what can you learn from this information? 
And I'm not saying that there are companies who are using what you watch to then make behavioral guesses and to kind of attempt to influence you or persuade you or use it in marketing. But like if you tie that into what we know about online advertising and things that you see on like Facebook and things that you see on other, you know, the online advertising bets, like if you know that somebody has started watching, I don't know, just PCW watches a lot of like, a lot of sports. How do you advertise mm-hmm. to them? If you see somebody who watches a lot of emotional content, what can you assume about them? How would you use that to monetize it? Like, there's always a question of monetization. Um, so, so it might not be that Facebook is listening to you on your iPhone, but all of our TVs are watching us and everything that we do. Okay, great. Yeah. This is not 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 making me feel good about this world. Um, right, and it's <laughs> like, and it's well, which which bring which does bring instantly the whole Cambridge Analytica question. It's it that was one piece. You know, Facebook may have been one piece, but add to that smart. TV, add to that the GPS of your car, add to that your phone's movement and every app you're touching. Right. It does start Actually, to paint a earlier, very complete picture. Kind of what's going on with the smart TV things. As a family, back in 2017, 10 of us were all in a cabin in Tennessee. And my father-in-law, he loves old Disney movies, like the old, old Disney movies. And he's talking about one specifically. Um, so it's like, he's on his phone. He's talking about this movie. He, one of us, I'm sure one or more of us Googled it. And then like three days later, he saw on Facebook a suggestion to add that he liked this movie to his Facebook profile. (laughs) And everybody's like, of course they're asking me like, right. How, like what just happened? Like, and, and you jump to thinking like, oh, is the microphone on his phone is what gave it off. And I'm like, no, like, that's almost certainly not it. And like, to be clear, there's no evidence to suggest that your microphone is being used. It would be very, I mean, and you can't prove a negative. So like, you can't say for sure it's not happening, but just, you know, you wonder. So I'm pretty sure what happened is that because our phones were all connected to the same Wi-Fi device, the same like literal like Wi-Fi router, that by IP address, I'm guessing something got tied to and flagged and some system picked it up that this is a reasonable suggestion. Which is an extraordinarily highlight, extraordinarily terrifying highlight of how tied and intertwined everything is. Yes. You know, and, and the only way to networks not be tied are amazing. in. Yeah, the power of networks is extraordinary because it, it will just tie everything together. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. From a, like human reasoning, it's like, how do you even, how do you wrap your head around that? It's such a massive concept that just, it's, uh, it's befuddling. Mm-hmm. Um, from a from a smart home perspective, you know, when when you move into a new house, you know, you're talking about the Wi-Fi and you know, so that's how I'm, I'm taking this thread. So when you when you buy a new house, you might go in, go in, you have a, a Nest thermostat, you have um, a, a water monitoring system that, that sees how much water you use. Some of these places mm-hmm. using solar systems now or tracking use. I mean, it, again, it's is it is it something I won't say again, not concerned, but aware and curious about when someone buys an, a smart home you know, within air quotes for those who can't see us, um, mm-hmm. you know, what, you know, what questions should people ask you? What, you know, what, from what level of curiosity or concern should they have when they're going into a, something that's been monitoring another family? Right. Right. So I would Wouldn't, say if you're moving into a house and kind of inheriting a network, inheriting devices, 
or even if you're making decisions about buying new devices. So I deal with both security and privacy. For most people, they're one and the same. It's like, I want to use Quiltech. I don't want to feel dumb for doing it. I want to have the benefits. I don't want to be harmed. Help me feel safe. And then, Real quick, what's the difference? Yeah. I mean, because you said security mm-hmm. and privacy. I'm like, oh yeah, same thing. What's the difference? Yeah. So right. this is a hotly contested debate. Um, <laughs> in, in, in kind of like a simple sense, security is about protecting the information. So security is about you want the right people to have access to the data when they need it. And you want to, uh, you want to keep the wrong people from having access to data. Right. Um, So that's security. And then privacy is, uh, privacy gets to be, I I love, I love working in privacy because I feel like it's, it's endlessly interesting. Um, Depending on who you ask, you'll get a variety of definitions. To me, increasingly privacy is about, it's about power. Um, and it's about you want to be sure that all these things that are being digitized are basically being used in a way that benefits you and that you're not being like, I'm still working on my definition on this one. You can't, you you don't want your data to be used against you in ways that you can't track down. You want to understand. Is it so on that, and we'll come back to the home in a second, (laughs) but I've seen some some things where talking about how, you know, your data rights or your privacy, what have you, are, are mm-hmm. human rights. Yes. I mean, I know it's a, it's a huge question for you know, a 45-second answer, but is that, is that a thing that we should be, again, curious? I love, I love your framing. Is it something about which we should be curious about human yes. rights and data rights? Okay. Yes. I think that today, today I would be hard-pressed to find somebody who thinks seriously about privacy who would push back on care for privacy, care for data is a human right. That has to be true. There is so much power to be had if you pretend as though data is not a thing to be managed. Is there a way to manage a process that is progressing so fast that, that nothing can keep up, up with it? <laughs> I mean, because I think it it's is... really curious. Yeah, I, you know, I mean, I'm sitting... Look, I, you know, yeah. you have your you have your PhD in computer science, correct? Is is the right and and okay. take no offense on the, what the way I may have to phrase this, but is this Not something alone. for a computer scientist to be discussing or a I PhD think it's a societal ethicist? conversation? It is hugely political. I I actually feel like it's it's a big deal that it that there are folks who still pretend like it's apolitical. Hmm. I mean, everything's political to a certain degree, but I think that it's. God, I can't even frame my question. It's such a huge idea. They think it's a, they think it's apolitical uh, because they want no control over it, or they, they want they no one else want, to have control over like it, and therefore they say it's apolitical. In maintaining the status quo and do not want to be held accountable and, and I unregulated think this most right now. And I right. Said so if if you say, if like with Mark Zuckerberg and Facebook refusing to take responsibility for what happens on the platform. Mm-hmm. That's huge. Like, that's. Sorry, I may be alienating some of your listeners if you want no, to. No, not at all. I mean, no, it's fine. I, mean, I think it's something that it's, you know, one, it's talkable, and two, it's something that, you know, there's a certain degree, I think, my, you know, take my ignorant position versus you, clearly versus yours, is that, you know, if you have a platform, you're responsible to a certain degree as to what's out there and not inflaming 
hatred and racism and all the bad things that we're seeing in our world in one space, I think that you know, there's, there's a certain degree of, you know, clearly that's not, a, not that is not an apolitical concept um, right. Of, right. of our society. Yeah. Keith? And I'd actually, I'd tie it back, Keith, to the question that you posed about the uses, use of facial recognition, where in one case, it's looking at a subset of footage and identifying those people. And then what I brought in, which was the automated and consistent and continual and perhaps permanent use of it. Um, and I feel like the thing that sure. changes there is it's scale. So, you know, how big is this effect? How big is the platform? How much, how much data is being collected? And what are the, what are the, what's kind of like the scale, the scope of the potential consequences? So I think, yeah. you know, 20 years ago, we felt like the internet was this like cool, not real life place that kind of existed side by side with real life. But now everything is, we have the, we're, we're like, you invited me to talk today because we have these devices in our home. Mm-hmm. That is very private. Like that is a space that is, you know, traditionally not open to the surveillance of, we would think hard before, put, before putting surveillance, inviting surveillance into our home usually. But today you, you don't. Exactly. Yeah. And, so it's like, and yet we put Nest cameras all over. What are, right. What Absolutely. Are we doing? We're not being right. curious enough. <laughs> I think so. I, I mean, I'll say I'll go to you know, Keith, but yeah, and you know, the, a lot of this always goes back to Jurassic Park for me. You know, you know Jeff yes. Goldblum's statement of we we spend so much time thinking about whether we can and not enough whether we should. I think, I that's think exactly that the, right. the curiosity is something that's. It, I think the curiosity is a responsibility for all of us, uh, and, and but we we lack that because of where we are, Keith. Well, I was, I'm actually just thinking, Jim, back, and I don't even know how many years it's been, probably seven, mm-hmm. since your eldest daughter went off to college. Four years. When she's, she's been out for three years, maybe, four years. So eight years ago, you and I spoke when she was going to college, and you had made the remark to me that you said, remember when you're on Facebook, every picture that your friends are putting out there through whatever social right. media there is, and Facebook was kind of it at the time, you had said your future boss will be able to pull that up by name and be able to put your name in and be able to find every single thing. The fact that we're now talking about the fact that that is absolutely a reality that we can tie together every platform, we can tie together every public post, you know, it's not, that's not a long time for us to have moved from us counseling kids on ways they might think about a use yeah. to the fact that we're now actually absolutely in that environment. Um, um, yeah. Now I'm all sorts of scared. I want to shut down the computer and, you know, start running my, running my house with a hamster wheel. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> I know. You know, Marissa, in, in, tying, in tying this into kind of where the real estate market is, it's, it's, a few years ago, people began having cameras in their houses. They began having listening devices. We never thought of baby monitors that didn't record as being listening devices, but they certainly always have been. Um, anything that allows a party to listen to a conversation that is not part of that conversation is considered wiretapping from a federal uh, standpoint. So the presence of Nest cameras, Arlo cameras, 
the ring doorbell is a little different because it's outside the home where you don't have a um, expectation of privacy, or at least those are what the arguments are mm -hmm. against that one being problematic. Um, but within the real estate environment, we're required to disclose, at least in Virginia, we require our agents and, and throughout Nest, we require agents to disclose the presence of any listening device. You know, these are now mm -hmm. everyday uh, technologies. Um, you know, I remember the first person I knew who said they wanted to put nanny cams into their house to be able to see when they were at work, how, how their children were being treated. Um, you know, this is everyday tech that is now absolutely recording yeah. and impacting our next day. And I think, you know, the question of, is this scary? Yeah, it's scary, but it's scary in the sense that we do not, the scariest part of this in my mind is mm -hmm. that we do not pay attention to what's happening. We, we yeah. suddenly got terrified with Cambridge Analytica, mm -hmm. but what has changed based on Cambridge Analytica? <laughs> what has, nothing, right. So, except that there now are even more companies probably purchasing and analyzing big data and understanding, um, you know, the articles that came out of Target who were identifying 16-year-olds who were pregnant before they told their families. And that was based off of unscented mm -hmm. hand cream. I mean, that was a single data point. Um, within real estate, we're identifying what, which of our clients are most likely to move based on their buying practices, mm -hmm. homes, you know, their use of Zillow or whatever else. I mean, how do we, I guess the big question is, yeah, it's scary, but how do we increase people's desire to have more information? I think that, I mean, isn't that the scary part is that we don't care? Okay. So there are so many thoughts. Yes. I would say. There were a million thoughts. I have, I <laughs> I love it. No, That's kind of the way it. it rolls with me. I don't it's... think it's that people don't care. I think that people don't know that they need to care. We all really need to care about this right now. We all need to care about the devices. We need to care about the companies behind them. We need to care about the data, especially in the U.S. There are countries where you actually have a right to privacy. In Germany, you have a right to privacy. It is a fundamental human right. It is not that, it is not so in the US. And then I love your question because the way you teed it up reminded me of a thing that you, it's easy to forget. In the US right now, your privacy protections are based on specific targeted laws that are for specific industries. So your health data under HIPAA, children's data under, under FERPA, and your video rental log because some politician got busted renting porn. And now video rental logs are a thing to be protected for always. Um, and we also have wiretapping. Yeah, it's super goofy. It is very targeted, <laughs> no idea. very specific. <laughs> and then we have wiretapping laws. And that is being used to inform how we think about digital communications and digital data. It is not enough. So you have like scattershot federal laws. You have scattershot state level, all these different things. One thing that I think has been super interesting over the past couple of years is that consumer reports has started to um, include security and privacy and data collection as items <laughs> that they look for when they do product reviews. That's incredible. So now they have, um, actually I watched an, an academic talk about this just like a month <laughs> ago. They have what they call the digital lab. So they actually brought in like 20 of the leading smart TVs to hook it up to uh, a router and sniff the traffic to see what data is being taken off that TV. And that's how you're getting answers right now. So that's crazy to me. It's crazy that like that's where we're at in 2020 that you have to like count on a lab to like kind of 
bring out all the bells and whistles to detect and kind of try to piece together what's happening. Um, right. To me, that's just like how unregulated it is. But so there, there, there are okay. So you mentioned that Consumer Reports is doing that for some of the products. Um, there are groups out there like the B Lab that are doing social justice monitoring of companies and scoring their their social impact. Are there companies out there? Is there anyone who is publicly ranking companies on their privacy protection for customers? So is the there ESF any is there any group out there doing this? A variety of scorecards that they look at. The oh, I should be embarrassed to not just like roll this off the tongue. Um, think electronic. Okay, Frontier Foundation, did it? Thank you. Yes. Yes, Electronic Frontier Foundation. <laughs> they um, do scorecards looking mostly at security and looking at different encryption practices and what you can count on there. They're, I, I think, a leading voice in this space. Consumer Reports is increasingly. I'm trying to think who else pops up as like a group you can trust. Journalists. Journalists do a lot of great work in the privacy space. Mm-hmm. Cashmere Hill, if you want to read great stories about um, companies doing interesting things with data, she is like a top investigative journalism journalist in this space. Um, yeah. I'm sorry, I don't think I actually answered your question. There's no good answer. Yeah. But there's, I guess the answer is there is, there is no company out there doing public awareness campaigns of ranking you know, frankly, the way Tesla cars might maintain driving well, habits, Tesla. locations, I mean, it's, it's, anything it's all, about all your, your cars have are you basically know, giant black box computers that have you know all of our stuff. Boxes. Um, yeah. All right. Mm-hmm. Before we start going down this path okay. of me getting a cabin in yep. the woods, I uh, and <laughs> and just you know, losing my smartphone and just having a rotary phone, maybe. Um, I'm going to ask Marissa our closed question because I think the three of us could talk about this for hours, uh, and then that wouldn't be enjoyable for us at the end of the day. So Maritza, the title <laughs> yes. of this podcast is Sweat the, De- Sweat the Details. Um, we've talked about a lot of stuff today. Uh, it, what is one, if you had to pick one detail that you wake up every day and you sweat, is that one thing you focus on on a daily basis? You know, I think Keith might've hit it earlier. One thing I do sweat is this idea that people don't care about privacy because they still use Facebook, because they still interact in the world, because they participate in society. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, you're here and Maritza, you're talking over Zoom. Clearly you don't right. care about privacy. Like, but that's no. We just we don't have good we don't have good outlets for turning our care into action. So I'm going to spin this to say, sweat the details, be curious, dig into the details, ask questions, realize that not enough people are sweating the details on data protection, and figure it out. <laughs> wow. Um, Marissa Johnson, uh, thank you so very, very much for enlightening and terrifying and educating us. Um, I think that uh, I, I, for one, will be more curious going about my daily business uh, inside and outside the house. Um, so thank you so much for spending the time with us. Yeah, I have to say, I think there. we talk to people every week on this show, 
and there are many people that I am fascinated to speak with, but few whose topic I think I could just spend days and weeks and months continuing to learn more about because it is, as Jim said, it's terrifying, but this has been, this is awesome. And I, I envy your, uh, I envy you getting to spend your life just studying this stuff and talking about it with other people because this is kind of fun brain trust type conversations that I'd love to learn from, from everybody Thank else you. in your field. Thanks this is awesome. Thank you for having me. Thank you for your time been invited. This is awesome. Thanks, Marta. Thanks for listening, everyone. We hope you enjoyed the conversation. If you have any questions or comments, please send us an email at sweatthedetails at nestrealty.com. Until next time, this is Jim Duncan with Nest Realty and Sweat the Details. Thanks for listening.